This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. It's July 2023, and we'll be discussing the management of chronic pouchitis with Kristen Burke of the Division of Gastroenterology at Massachusetts General Hospital and discussing her summary in the July 2023 issue of Evidence-Based GI, which is entitled Vetaluzumab, an earnest option for the management of chronic pouchitis. And her summary is reviewing a recent randomized controlled trial from the March 2023 issue of New England Journal of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Burke. And as we always do, let's just start by discussing why the management of chronic pouchitis is an important topic for our listeners, and also a little bit about why this is a unique study to review. Thank you so much for having me. I do think this is a really important topic, very near and dear to my heart. Chronic pouchitis is a common complication of iliopouch anal anastomosis for ulcerative colitis. About half of patients who get an IPAA for ulcerative colitis develop acute pouchitis over time, requiring one course of antibiotics. Of those, 60% develop at least one episode of disease recurrence, and 20% go on to have chronic pouchitis, defined as symptoms including bowel frequency, abdominal pain, fecal urgency for a duration longer than four weeks, which can have a really great impact on quality of life. So this is a really important topic to manage our patients. While the mainstay of therapy includes recurring or chronic use of antibiotics, I personally tend to use ciprofloxacin 500 milligrams twice a day for 14 days extended up to 28 or augmentin 875 milligrams twice a day. Um, again, for the same duration, disease really can become refractory and use of these medications can be limited by tolerability or other associated risks. And so we need to think past antibiotics. What do we have to manage these patients? In the current state, corticosteroids, specifically oral or topical budesonide, can be used second line for patients with refractory disease, especially with some evidence in the PSC population, primary sclerosing cholangitis. But this is also not an effective therapy for, for everyone. The pathophysiology of Chronic pouchitis is unclear, but it's really thought to be due to a microbiome response to changes in the role of the ileum now as a vestibule for stool, where before it wasn't used to having that static stool. And one thing we know histologically is there is this lymphocyte infiltration. So vetalizumab is an interesting biologic potential biologic therapy for this because it blocks the integrin, the homing of lymphocytes to the GI tract and can be potentially helpful in this condition. There are many uncontrolled Good. observational studies that suggest that biologic therapies are kind of safe and effective, including vetalizumab. But this study stands out as the first randomized control trial demonstrating the safety and efficacy of vetalizumab for treatment of chronic pouchitis. Well, I think that makes this study very unique. So this was a 34-week multi-center, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial entitled the EARNEST study. And it looked specifically at patients who had had an IPAA for ulcerative colitis at least one year ago and had active chronic pouchitis as defined by the Modified Pouchitis Disease Activity Index. And essentially, this is an index that looks at both 
endoscopic evidence of inflammation as well as symptoms. The modified score can be from zero to 12, with 12 meaning you have very, very severe symptoms. And patients enrolled in the study had to have at least a score of five with a subscore of at least two on the endoscopic domain. And they had to have had at least three episodes of pouchitis within the past year before screening and have also been treated with antibiotics for those past episodes. Now, patients then were randomized to get vetaluzumab 300 milligrams IV on day one, and then at weeks two, six, 14, 22, and 30. And they got four weeks of oral ciprofloxacin 500 BID for the first four weeks of the study. After that, antibiotics were stopped. And the primary endpoint was saying, did the patient have resolution or remission based on that modified pouch disease activity index? And that meant having a score of four or less with a reduction of at least two points from baseline. Secondary outcomes were having had remission at week 34 and also at least having a partial response, meaning at least a decrease of two points in your score at week 14. Now, bottom line of the results of 102 patients who were enrolled and underwent randomization using a modified intention to treat analysis, we ultimately found that 31% of the patients in the vetaluzumab group achieved remission, meaning a score of four or less on that modified pouchitis disease activity index versus only 10% in the placebo group. That was at 14 weeks. Between weeks 14 to 34, patients could get additional antibiotic courses as well as continuing on with either either vetaluzumab or placebo. And at 34 weeks, 35% of the vetaluzumab group were in remission versus 18% in the placebo group. So still almost doubled the number of people that were in remission, although we saw a higher proportion of people on antibiotics in the vetaluzumab group at that week 34. This certainly seemed to be an effective treatment compared to placebo for patients with chronic pouchitis who were not adequately responsive to antibiotics. Back to you, Dr. Burke. How do you take this data and integrate it into your practice, taking into account, you know, you don't want to miss what turns out to be Crohn's disease, and you don't want to add on a biologic unless you really need to if antibiotics are working. And, you know, how do you educate your patients about the benefits and risks? Yes, I do think, you know, that was an excellent summary. I do think that for every patient, you do need an objective disease assessment as they did in this trial. You need a pouchoscopy so you can endoscopically assure that there's no evidence of Crohn's disease pe present specifically looking for stricturing in, you know, the mid-pouch body, potentially the inlet or the neo-terminal ileum that would raise red flags for Crohn's. If you have somebody with chronic pouchitis confirmed endoscopically, I think that for patients that are antibiotic responsive, chronic suppressive antibiotics are still a reasonable option. I don't think this trial was really designed for that population, really for people that 
have chronic antibiotic refractory disease, although the population wasn't limited to that. For, for me, the earnest trial is really an important step in the treatment of chronic pouchitis if somebody has antibiotic refractory disease. I think it substantiates a reasonably large body of uncontrolled data that vedolizumab is safe and effective for antibiotic refractory or dependent disease. Um, as you pointed out, my enthusiasm for this trial is tempered slightly by the rate of additional antibiotic use in the vedolizumab group. I think while the authors took many steps to control for this, including stratifying randomization according to anti continuous antibiotic use at baseline and performing a post hoc stratified analysis according to additional antibiotic use after four weeks, their numbers were small enough that I can't confidently get excited based upon this trial about kind of the holy grail outcome of sustained antibiotic free remission on vetalizumab. That being said, I, I do consider vetalizumab the first line biologic agent for chronic pouchitis, absent features of Crohn's disease of the pouch. If I suspect Crohn's disease, I do go in a different direction. If there are stenoses present, again, as I said, pouch inlet, mid-pouch body, neoterminal ileum, I treat the patient for stricturing small bowel Crohn's and would accordingly consider an anti-TNF or an anti-IL-1223 or IL-23 first line, depending on their comorbidities and prior, prior biologic exposure. I think that really summarizes some key practical management points for our listeners. If a patient's having recurrent pouchitis, you want to do a pouchoscopy, make sure you're not missing what's actually Crohn's disease, if there's stricturing or penetrative disease. And as you said, if a patient has recurrent episodes of pouchitis, but responds great to antibiotics, then you should stick with that. Given this data, it seems like for the patient's who have recurrent symptoms despite antibiotics, that vetalizumab for the first time has demonstrated that you have another therapy that's effective compared to placebo for those patients. Any other key management points that you think are important for our listeners to understand? I think that those are really the big key management points in terms of what I would choose in terms of therapies. For patients that have recurrent or chronic pouchitis that do respond well to antibiotics, there is some data that rather than keeping them on suppressive antibiotics, you could potentially transition to probiotics, but this is not universally successful. And again, I think that as we evolve, we'll understand the role for using more advanced therapies over chronic suppressive antibiotics in this population. So maybe not in terms of current management, but thinking about future management of disease, I do think there are a couple of considerations. You know, we know that the earnest trial supports that betalizumab is superior to placebo for the management of chronic pouchitis over 34 weeks. But I think head-to-head -head trials of biologic therapies or biologic therapies versus chronic suppressive antibiotics will be required to kind of better define the management algorithm for disease going forward. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Well, thanks again for joining me today. This summary that Dr. Burke wrote with her colleague, Dr. Bharati Kochar, is in the July 2023 issue of Evidence-Based GI, which is sent out on July 12th in a blast email to all ACG members, as well as being available on the ACG website. Please remember to subscribe to Evidence-Based GI on your favorite podcast platform. And also, please follow us on Twitter at ACG underscore EBGI. 
Thanks again for listening.